It's episode three of the Tice Talks. We're continuing our series on the family today with a conversation on raising boys to be leaders of men. Our guests are Pastor Joshua Tice and Anna Tice, wife of our host, Dr. David Tice. It is good to be in the studio with my son, Joshua Tice, and my beautiful wife, uh, Anna Tice. This, we is, have, this is me. This, this is Josh, not, this, not that's Anna. Right. I just want to be very clear. Okay. <laughs> and the one that you don't hear, that's my wife. And uh, she will only speak up when when, when uh, you or I make some type yeah, of some mistake. some kind of a weird comment. And she'll, L- she'll correct us. It's a dark studio normally. I record other podcasts in this studio. But it's somehow very bright in here today. Like it's like there's a glow of joy. There is. In this there is. It's and it's and coming. It, who it? Oh, it's mother. Yeah, there it is. Mother is here, and That's there is it. a joyous glow, a sunshine, and she is smiling from ear to ear. I'll tell you, this woman, this woman. All you have to do is say the right thing, and she just just giggles. That's Even exactly right. Day. That's exactly right. Like a schoolgirl. Say the wrong thing, and, and what happens? She you you, you would know that. This woman, this woman <laughs> is, is a vicious person at times. Can I ask you this question? What? Who would you rather have been spanked by, her or oh. me? Oh my word! Are you kidding me? You're a soft touch. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought that myself. You really are. You're very, very, uh, you're very kind. You're very gracious. This is who you are, and you you could be manipulated um, through emotion on the other hand, and other things. On, on the other hand, the standard of righteousness in our home was who? Uh, the standard, well, Christ. Christ. And then after, <laughs> it who was enforced after, who enforced that standard? Well, let's really talk about this because after Christ, it was charity. <laughs> <laughs> she is the bearer of the law. Okay. And then after charity, it was well, mother. Well, yeah. she was the informer. Charity yeah. was the informer. And then there is, and then there's mother, right? right. Um, mother, um, if you had a choice, it should not be a choice between mother or father to whip you That's for right. spanking, right? That's right. That's right. It should be a choice between a Roman soldier and mother. <laughs> and every time, every time, I would choose the Roman, the Roman soldier. <laughs> so. She's a she's a scary woman, and You're, here she is sitting right beside me. I'm holding her arm, I'm holding her hand. She loves me still, and even more so, I love her. And uh, yeah, do you want to say anything now? <laughs> oh, she's laughing oh, too hard. Okay, so here we're here today to talk about raising boys to lead men. Yes, we're we're, we're primarily highlighting the great job you did with me, and I appreciate. <laughs> You bring me on this episode to celebrate, uh, <laughs> and I clearly know that I noticed that Matthew's notice that not Matthew's in the room. <laughs> Matthew's not in the room, and which is appropriate. Is he coming on like on the episode of how to how to overcome mistakes in parenting? Yes, how to turn your life around after failure. Right, we've got those lined up. Right, the prodigal son returns. Yeah. Is that his episode? I I didn't look at the list. Inheritance loss. He has. We just talked about how all they have is yours. It was. So. It was. I think it was Matthew who who called you the Absalom Project. Yeah, when we started the church 15 years ago, um, when Liberty Baptist planted a church on the other side of town. Yes. And uh, by God's grace and your divine wisdom, selected <laughs> Heather and I to help lead this project. Matthew referred to the project as the Absalom Project. Yes. Which I never have fully forgiven him for. <laughs> 
So we have a lot of fun together. I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a big stretch. Uh, we just talked about getting whipped and the fact that there's one out of two sons that did not I turn can, out well. I can remember a time that I was spanking you and you were going through such tantrums that you said... What did I say? I, I, I couldn't help it. I started laughing and you said, you're laughing at me. Well, Father, you're laughing at me. I've always been dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> I can also true. I can also remember you calling out to God and explaining to God that that uh While please I, god please god tell him i'm really sorry <laughs> i did i i would i would i implored uh the heavenly father i knew we were both you know children of god right. and i tried to pull on your heartstrings by saying you remember our mutual heavenly father <laughs> and he's watching you as you so for those of you who don't understand proper child discipline um what we're describing was not that no it was okay <laughs> Because some of you might be listening, come on, what is all this? So, yes, we, we had spankings growing up, uh, yeah. but um, in reality, uh, these are good people. We <laughs> like them. We like you too, John. And have that you, discipline is what made you a leader of men, right? It was one, it was one, one of— One of at least six things, One I of think. six things yeah. that we plan on discussing in this episode. And these are six things that you taught us throughout the years, but they were they, they really weren't— David Tice teaching the children as much as they were David and Anna coming from the scripture, developing six core principles that help them deal specifically with men, uh, with young men and how to turn them into men who would then in turn lead other men. And these are the six core principles that uh, have been coming out of your books that you've written about, as well as um, other sessions that you've taught in multiple conferences around the country. And we've selected six to talk about on this episode. Yes, that's right. And so let's talk about those. Let's talk about those things that that really are so, so important. Now, we, when we, we were talking about raising children in general, we, we, we talk about the fact that, that uh, we need to know, they need to know that we love them. Uh, I think it's so important as when you're talking about children at all, that we understand the patterns that we get from, um, from Scripture. Yeah. God, God created the world and he 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 created a beautiful place a warm loving environment to bring Adam and Eve into that environment so that he was deserving of their respect a lot of parents want to demand respect they want to demand children uh, listen to them but they don't provide the environment that they need to provide in order to not demand but to command that respect That's a to, great statement. to uh, to earn that respect from their children. So I think what we, we need to understand that as the basic foundation. And then let's talk about some of the principles that we were talking about off the air, uh, the things that we really need to do. First of all, the, the idea of authenticity. Yeah. Discuss that. Okay, authenticity being if you're going to raise men to lead men in this society, probably anywhere, this is a universal thought, is the importance of authenticity. Especially as a young child turns into a young man, um, he's going to be very highly aware of phoniness, um, <laughs> of, um, of the fact that a lot of people are trying to play a game, right? right. Uh, especially if you're listening to this and you're in the ministry, uh, maybe you're a pastor, maybe you're a pastor's wife, maybe you travel as an evangelist, you're a missionary right now in Romania, and there's this real tendency, this real call to... Um, to kind of fake it till you make it, 
uh, okay, let's put a smile on. We're about to go into church. And if I don't, if I'm not the perfect Christian, the perfect pastor, the perfect man of God, then what's going to happen is my people will find out, and then I'll lose this ministry opportunity. Um, and our children pick up on that phoniness. Uh, there's not an authenticity. And one of the things that you both did very well is demonstrate a genuineness and authenticity in your spiritual walk, in your walk with God, your love for one another, your love for us, but also the mistakes that were made. And um, instead of trying to ignore those mistakes, act like they were never there, uh, we discussed them as family. And this authenticity, if you ask all five of the children that were raised in your home, they would talk quite a bit about mom and dad are just real people. The people they are when they visit the Bible college, the people they are when they go to church, the people they are when missionaries are sitting with us at Denny's are the same people we see on our family day. And that's a big deal. That has a lot to do with your mother, and that's the, that's the honest to goodness truth. She, she, she would not allow you to fake it. That's exactly right. She she was she is such a genuine, such a real person yeah. that, and it is. It's really easy to want to put on this facade that everything that you've got it all together, and and even to do that because you think I'm a preacher. I can't can't let people see the mistakes that I make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but. But but uh, the idea of being real and and being honest. I remember that we had a there was a nationally known speaker who was flying across the country. Do you remember this? And he and he he said he called me up and said, "I want to stop in and talk to you and your two sons. Can I do that?" And I said, uh, "I said, uh, well, yeah." So he stopped in. He was speaking in L.A. Stopped in Las Vegas, flying huh. back. And, How uh, old were we? I don't remember this. Uh, this was this was right after you had started uh, Southern, uh, Hills. Southern Hills. Yeah, okay. so and, I was fourteen. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> just no, last okay. week. Yeah, I got you. Twenty three, twenty four. So, yeah. so so he had uh, he stopped and and we went in my and he came with us in our office and uh, he said I just want to ask you what made you want to go into ministry huh. and your answer and Matt's answer was authenticity, yeah. uh, that it was genuine. And I think it's so important that we be real. It is that we be real. You know, it's funny. Um, I was sitting in a Bible class in college, <laughs> and we were talking about this. They, they had said, it was probably my junior year. I remember the class, it was Hebrew history. So it was kind of an uh, 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 upper-level class. And the professor said, um, there's probably about 150 students in the room. The professor said, how many PKs in the room? Missionary kids, whatever. Raise your hand. We raise your hand. And um, he said, I want to know, what was it that made you want to come into the ministry? And the very first thing that came to my mind was the word fun. It'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy asked the question, and I haven't raised my hand. He, he called me first. I've never, uh, so he said, what, what, what is it that made you want to follow your father in the ministry? I said, I thought it would be a lot of fun. And the reaction was not what I w- would expect. People roll their eyes and look at me. Come on, are you kidding me? And I kind of was really embarrassed about it. But authentically, it's the very first thing that came to mind. And authentically, it really has been a great, fun life. There's a lot of bad stuff about it um, and difficulties. But the reality is, pointing to authenticity, um, I look back and I'm, I'm glad I gave that answer. Because that is one of the great answers that you gave us on a continual basis. And to own who you are as an individual, how God has called you, what God has called you to do, and to not necessarily do what you do, to impress the teacher, to impress your fellow students, to impress anybody. 
you're there as a servant of one. You're the, you, you have one master, and that's Jesus Christ. And as long as your things are good with him, you're yeah. good to go. So and, that authenticity's helped. You need to enjoy ministry too. Oh, yeah, that ma- that makes that makes makes life. If it's an un- if if it's an unbearable life, who wants to follow their father into an unbearable life or their yeah. mother into an unbearable That's a great life? Great statement. So your mom has lived here in Las Vegas for forty two years. She likes birds. She likes flowers. She likes water. She likes trees. She likes cool weather. She got none of that here, but she raised you guys here, thinking this was the greatest place in the world. That's right. Because well, she doesn't have those things, but she had us. <laughs> Which is far <laughs> the, the, greater. The jewels of her life. Far greater. That's exactly so right. So authenticity is the first. What's the okay, second so, thing you had? So the second thing that we've, that we've put down here is that uh, is hard work. Hard work. It is so important that we teach hard work. Because ministry, though it's fun and though it's enjoyable, like you said, there's some difficult times. Yes. I mean, you get criticized. Uh, in one day, you get called a legalist, and then you get called a liberal, then you get called a, yep. a compromiser, then, you cut, you're, then you're told by this, somebody else the same day that you're so strict about everything. Yep. And uh, it's, it's, there, are, there are difficulties. Uh, there's also getting up, you, you, you've got, we were just talking about the fact that this week is such a busy, busy yep. week. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be long early mornings and late nights uh, in order to get everything done that needs to get done. So talk about hard work. Yeah, I was just watching an interview with Steve Jobs about this, and Steve Jobs was talking about the the what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur is not a great idea, but it's the audacity to believe that he's going to work like a dog to get it done. And theologically, we understand that the Bible says we are saved by grace. And we even understand that it is God's grace that slowly, with patience, sanctifies us. We understand that. But a lot of times what's lost in this gospel-centric worldview, which I am so gospel-centric, I mean, it is the center of my world, is the idea that rest spiritually doesn't necessarily always mean rest physically. That just because I don't have to prove myself to God to make him like me more doesn't mean that if I stay in bed till 10 o'clock, uh, get up, read the paper, uh, call two people in my church that are in hospital, and then, uh, and then, go, and then that's my, my ministry day, that suddenly God is pleased with that. No, no, no. God is definitely pleased with you as a saved person. You are his son. But as a servant, come on, man. We're going to pretend that that pleases the Lord? Yeah. And, and I think what's important to grasp is, is this truth, is that if you're going to build a church— you have to work like a dog. If you're going to be an evangelist and go from place to place, you're going to be up early. You're going to be up late. You're going to be calling people. You're going to have really tough conversations to request that. If you're going to be a missionary, you're going to have to go through stacks and stacks of papers and phone calls. It doesn't come easy. You're going to have to be told no over and over and over and over. And here's the problem. In our society, if you think you're going to lead men and you're going to be a lazy person, Men will not follow you. That's just, that's exactly the truth. I, I think I've heard preachers say, "Well, you know, I'm just studying the Word, and Christ will build His church." Jesus said, "Upon this rock I will build my church," but He also told us that we are His hands and His feet. We the body are of Christ. That's exactly. Right. We are the ones that do the work. There's a false dichotomy that is established, especially among those who are in ministry, because of the excessive, um, overworking habits of many pastors of the past. Right? They, they work so hard to lose their family. So a false dichotomy has been established by many now as the pendulum swings the other way, 
where ministers are constantly worried about work-life balance. Man, I can't work hard because if I do, I'll lose my children. That wasn't the case. That wasn't the case in our home. You both worked very long hours, but you brought us with you. We worked together. There was a lot of time that was just fun time, and there was a lot of time that was just work time. And if you're sitting there thinking, I can't put in the hours and the work that it takes to build the ministry God has called me to build, the answer is you absolutely can, and you don't have to lose your family. In fact, you'll raise godly men along the way. Yeah, in fact, bringing your family into ministry and enjoying your family with your ministry and teaching your children to enjoy ministry makes ministry fun. Precisely. Which which sort of leads us to our next point, uh, which is critical thinking versus a critical spirit. That we need to to critically think through things, but we ought not have a critical spirit against those who— disagree with us. I mean, it's so easy in in our culture to be critical. And when we, we find ourselves being critical of other ministries or other servants of God, it just can destroy our children. Uh, we were very, very careful, very, very careful about ever criticizing other preachers, yes. uh, other ministries uh, in front of you. I think it's, it's wrong. Uh, because God tells us that we ought not be, uh, we're all servants of God. We ought yeah. to be critical or be be criticizing or condemning or fighting against men of God. Speak to that. Yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you believe everything. It doesn't mean that you're a gullible person. It doesn't mean that everybody is all the same. What it does mean is that you're critically thinking through something without being a being a critical person. Well, oh, that, how do you know the difference? I'll tell you. One of the things that um, you both did over the years was to teach us to think critically versus being critical uh, in relation to the homeless. I can remember this. In Las Vegas, we've always had a homeless population. And there's a difference between looking out the window and saying, look at that disgusting homeless person. No, nobody, nobody in our home would have ever said something like this. We care for the poor. We love the poor. We help the homeless. I remember m- many times we would be taking food to people who had no food. We'd be bringing them into our home and caring for them and sharing for, with them, knowing ourselves what we've been through financially over the years. However, I remember many times mother would say, I want you to look over at that person. See them pushing that, car- that, that shopping cart? How do you think they got to that position? What do you think's going on in their life? Why are they there in that scenario? Could it be deal- doing with hard work? What about drugs? What about alcohol abuse? And what she was able to do was walk this beautiful fine line between critical thinking, A, B, C, if you add those up, equal X, versus that's a terrible person. It's not a, crit- it's not a critical person. She wasn't being a critical person. She was having, teaching us to think critically. And there is a key difference. I come across too many friends, individuals, people in my life, I'm sure in your life as well, who conflate the two. They think they're critically thinking, when in reality, they're just extremely critical people. And, and you can tell the difference in the spirit of the individual. Um, and you can tell it in your own spirit, because I've lived both. I've had moments in my life that I've been a critical thinker, and you're not emotionally connected to it. Then I've been a critical person where your anger is involved, you know, 
the sarcasm comes out. And I think when you have the difference, it really does lead to a much more joyful life. And your sons see that. And then they in tune will all, they in turn will also become critical thinkers, but not critical people. I can love somebody who doesn't agree with me. Yeah. I can I can speak for somebody who doesn't agree with me on, on issues. I can, uh, I and we need to be able to do that. I need to be able to understand just because somebody, in my opinion, is wrong about something does not mean that they're not walking with God. Yeah. Uh, I, I need to be able to love people who differ with me and, and understand a relationship with that person, even though you disagree on something, and realize that God is using them. Yeah, they, they make great. They, God uses imperfect people. If He didn't, He couldn't use any of us, yeah. and that's so so important. Because you're right. I think people limit their ability to be used by God because they there's there's such a bitterness and a a critical spirit towards other people instead of just allowing God. Jesus said, I'm the judge. The Father's put in my hands judgment. So let's leave that to him. It all goes back to respect. Uh, Obviously, learning to respect your elders, respecting yourself, respecting um, other men. And then that leads us to point number four. uh, One of the main keys in raising men who will lead men, and that's respecting women. That's exactly right. Now, this was a huge thing that came across to Matthew and I while we were growing up. Why don't you speak to the concept of how is it that you taught us to respect women, and how does that play out in our daily life? Well, we have, in our home, we had three three girls, uh, Charity, Faith, and Hope, and then, of course, uh, my wife and uh, your mother, uh, and it was just so important. Uh, we taught you and uh, and Matt that there were certain things that boys could do around boys that they didn't do around girls. There were certain... Uh, ways that we showed respect to them um, and we we honored them because of the position that they were in. The Bible teaches us very simply that that a man does not do good by himself. That is a early principle taught in Genesis chapter 2. God looks at Adam and says, <laughs> the old, first thing he says is not good on this planet is that it's not good that man should be alone and that we need help, and that God created the woman to be the man's help meet. And so we just made it a point to make sure that you understood uh, that, and Matt understood, that we respect mom. And there was, we did not tolerate um, you or uh, jo- or Matt uh, in any way speaking in a condescending way or a critical way or a sarcastic way uh, to your mother. In fact, I remember saying, saying, look, you don't talk to her that way. You don't talk to my wife that way. Yeah, those are scary moments uh, because that's when it got very real. Um, and, and we understood the elevation of respect that you had for her, that this was the most important person outside the Lord. This is the most important person in our home. And so we treat with honor, with respect, with dignity, um, and uh, so I think that obviously then uh, plays out as we grow and we find a, a good woman to marry. We're looking for that type of an individual we could show honor and respect and dignity to throughout our lives. This is something that is missing in our modern society, I do think, um, with the elevation of uh, the importance of equality among the sexes. Um, 
what we've done is we've eradicated any differences between the sexes. And in doing so, we dishonor the beautiful significance of the uniqueness of the woman and dishonor the beautiful significance uh, of the uniqueness of the man. Um, equality does not mean that this man and this woman have no differences. And in erasing those differences, we erase the beautiful picture that God created in front of us. And so you were able to tell us how to respect women and then demonstrate that. There was never yelling um, in our home from you yelling at, uh, at, at, at your wife. Um, there was a respect there. There was a dignity. There was a caring. There was never slapping. And I hate to get graphic in this, but people need to understand we're talking about how to raise men who respect, uh, who are leaders of men and respecting women. There wasn't pushing. There was no physical violence. Um, now, you might come from a situation where you saw those, and it's hard to, hard to pull those things out of your own life, and you need to seek help and seek counsel and seek friends on that. And please, don't be discouraged by this podcast, but there needs to be deep down a decision that states there is a beautiful, wonderful um, respect that ought to take place uh, toward men, from men, toward women in general, especially those that would be willing to, uh, to marry us. Early on in our, in our marriage, we, uh, we're, we're back at East, uh, uh, attending a, a church and we were there. I heard a preacher say this, it just blew my mind. The preacher said, well, if my wife wouldn't come to church, I would go and I'd drag her by the hair and she'd be here and she'd be at this altar. And I remember thinking, what an ignorant man yes. he was. And I remember thinking this, this marriage and this church isn't going to last long. And it wasn't but a few years after that, that uh, she was gone uh, from, th- from that home and the marriage was over and the church folded. Yeah. It's sad because we you, you, again, you don't demand that somebody respect you. You act in such a way that, that you you show respect and you earn that respect yeah. by um, the way you treat other people. And it's so important that we treat women with respect. That we treat them with that we treat uh, our whether it's a mom, whether it's a sister, whether it's your wife. Uh, we show the respect and we honor them and the position that God's placed Whether you're a Hollywood mogul who takes advantage of young starlets or a bully in the pulpit who thinks you can push around the weaker sex, neither one is manly, neither one is godly, and both need to repent. And if we don't understand that, we don't understand how it is that we are to lead our young men to become men. This all falls under the broad category of not only respecting women, but obeying the greatest authority, and that is God. God told us to respect, and that's what leads us to point number five. Point number five is that the way to lead men, to lead men and raise young boys to be leaders of men, is to help them to understand authority structure. And that starts that starts not with you making yourself as the center, but Christ as the center. Yeah, talk about that. And it's so important that your children know, that your boys know, that what you do, you do in obedience to the God that is your uh, authority. Uh, Jesus Christ has to be the center of your home. Uh, The Word of God has to be the reason for why you do what you do. Even when we get together in family discussions now, uh, when we are all together and we're having uh, family discussions, we talk. We talk about well. Where does the Bible say that? What What does the Bible say about that? Right. The ultimate authority is not 
Dave Tice in our home. That's right. The ultimate authority is the Word of God in our home. The reason we bring a level of respect to Dave Tice is because the Bible says, honor your father and mother. Not because he, because he himself has earned it, but because we respect the Word of God, which was written by the divine. And here's the thing. You're never going to be a leader of others until you can first be led. You're never going to be an authority to others if you are somebody who's never under authority. And one of the reasons I think we talk about pastors quite a bit, and I know a lot of our listeners are not pastors, but I think you'll understand the analogy. There are a lot of pastors who think, why is it that my church isn't following me? Could it be that you don't respect any authority in your life, governmental authority, um, uh, uh, elders in your life, even in, in your own history? If you don't teach your young men as teenagers, as young boys, to honor and respect the authority in front of them, their mother, their father, their youth pastors, other ministers, governmental authority, police officers. How in the world are you going to command the respect of others when all you're constantly doing is pulling down authority around them? Gordon Luff used to say, and he was our dean of students at school and in charge of our youth ministries, he used to say this, that you cannot be a good leader unless you're a good follower. Man, that, that, see, that is fantastic. And you always taught us not only to be good followers— but then you also taught us to be leaders, and that's point number six. Yes, and that's and I think it's so important. I think it's important that we help our—the Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us that we are to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. The idea is that your children have a certain bend, but you can help bend them. You can help lead them. And we just taught, we determined that we wanted to raise leaders. We wanted you— and Matt, and our girls to be leaders. We didn't want them to be led by others, but to lead others. In fact, we didn't want you to be led astray. And so your mother particularly was yeah. very, very adamant about telling you that you're going to be a leader. Yeah, I, she, she didn't allow us to discover our identity. This is point number six. She gave us our identity. I, I think that is so good. Because what we often do is like, oh, go out into the world and discover who you really are. No, people don't need to discover who they are. This is why the world is lost. They need to be told who they are. I don't know who I am. I'm so insecure. Why? Because we have so much insecurity because nobody ever sat us down as children and told us who we were. You are a Tice. You're a child of God. You're loved by your brothers and sisters. You're, you're loved by Jesus Christ. You're welcome in this family. No, you don't do that. You know, we do this, and the identity that is poured into us by our fathers and our mothers help us see who we are, and it trains us like training wheels. It prepares us for a life to where we can look to our Heavenly Father, and our Heavenly Father can constantly tell us who we are instead of the world trying to tell us who we are, instead of um, random abhorrent uh, authorities that are not our authority telling us who we are. We look to God the Father to tell us who we are. And I remember Mother specifically doing this in regards to leadership. She would look at us as teenage boys and say, you are a leader. You don't follow, you lead. And I remember thinking as a kid, I remember like, okay. I mean, what do you do? You don't argue it. Okay, I, can I remember, guess I'm a leader. I can remember standing in our living room in, the, in our uh, old house when you guys grew up in. I remember her looking at Matthew and saying one day, Leaders don't act that way. And he said to her, well, what if I don't want to be a leader? <laughs> yeah. And she said, she said, you don't have a choice. 
<laughs> God made you a leader. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. And it and and you're in your mid twenties to early thirties before you figure out, oh, she was just making that stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> And then you're like, well, I'm already a leader. Might as well keep leading. Yeah. Um, and why? I get, we forget that this is one of the core principles of what parenting is. You give them their identity. And you and give them okay direction. And it's okay to look at them and say, you are a leader. And here are the principles. You say, well, what is a leader? Read a John Maxwell book and repeat all those things to him. Say, these are the things that you will be. Um, why? Because it's incredibly important for this idea of a born leader, a born leader. People aren't born leaders. They're created. They're, 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 they're molded and shaped into leading others um, or through insecurity, through lack of identity, through an inability to see what God can do in you and through you, we, we subsequently find ourselves following what everybody in who I tells me to do constantly. And so um, I definitely think that one of the core aspects of raising godly leaders and men who will lead men is to give them their identity. And part of that identity is you are a leader. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Really great stuff. I am so glad that uh, we had this opportunity to talk. I'm so glad that we've had this opportunity to share. And, and Anna, thank you so much for your input. She has, she, it's been fun just to sit here and watch her smile and uh, watch her Some of respect. us don't even believe she's in the room. Yeah, she's here. She Can is, you say yeah. hi? Just say hi to our people. Nope, I will not. You, she will not say hi today. So uh, You should have seen the look that she just gave her father. <laughs> that was the look I used to get. I'm nervous. Like, I just broke out in a sweat. That's <laughs> flashbacks. There's some psychologist listening to this saying, that poor child has trauma. I'm 39. I'll be okay. All right, so I'm going to jump in and wrap this up uh, before it gets too much further out of hand. And Thanks, we have Crystal. family conflict or something. But thank you for listening to Episode 3 of Tice Talks. In Episode 4, the other brother will be here. Pastor Matt Tice will join us to answer the question, can a family with convictions still have fun? Hmm. Well, thank you for joining us for Tice Talks today. This has been fun, almost as fun as the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. <laughs> Did you see what I just did there? I saw that. You just tried to steal the show. No, I tried to make a plug. I didn't even plug. get my tagline in here. I'm sitting in here. I'm, I'm sitting in here like I'm on David Letterman, and you never let me talk about my movie. <laughs> you you show, been, that shows you, my age. I said David to, Letterman. He's not even on anymore. You've, you've, you've been here listening to the voice <laughs> of Idea Talks. And, oh, yeah, that's right. And... The Bible talks, Bible talks. and the, he, he didn't bring his other half with him, the better half, Heather, that's but uh, that's who you've been with today, uh, with and, and the pastor of Southern Hills Baptist Church uh, on the southwest side of Las Vegas. So Boom. we're glad that you came. This is, again, Tice Talks, uh, where we have more than a conversation.